When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. Welcome along to episode number 82 of the Bid Red Supporters Trust podcast. It's our final podcast of the season, 2022 season. There's been plenty of highs, plenty of lows, but we're here to give you a rundown of our look back on the season that was. And this week, I am delighted to be joined by Sean Dunn. Sean, how are you? All good, Ronan. Jerry O'Connor. Jerry, how are you? Great, thanks, Ron. And Donald Kelly. Donald, how are you? Never better, Ron. Thanks. So this week, as I mentioned, we will look back on the 2022 season. We will also look back on the last game of the season against Bose. And we will reflect on, as I mentioned, the season gone by, but we will also look ahead to next season. So lads, we'll start off, first of all, with the Bose game, the last game of the season. I'll start with yourself, Sean. It was a, it was a 3-1 defeat. Um, and a disappointing way to end the season, you could say. Oh, not good at all, Ronan. But look, uh, it's just one of those things, isn't it? That last game of the season, nothing to play for for either side. For no, actually, no team had anything to play for on the last day of the season. Just a complete damn squib. But I think all in all, the way, yeah, um, there's a good way of support and a great day had all around. So that's your positive you take out of it. Apart from that, I don't think there was anything else. And Jerry, you went up to your the match yourself as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, Sean said there, it was a, a great crowd up, so don't give myself and the young fella, as usual, a lift to the game. So it was nice to go up to the last game and, and uh, just see out the season. But I actually missed the, I missed the two uh, first goals. Um, I, uh, I know a couple of lads in the, the Gypsy Supporters Trust, so I went into the, into the bar, went to one of the bars with them. I think the first goal was like 44 minutes and... 30 odd seconds, literally missed it by seconds. And then the, the second one is late coming out about four or five minutes and missed that as well. So, um, yeah, but sure, look, it had a kind of the atmosphere was really, really good at the game, but the game itself had a very much uh, an end of season uh, feel to it. And Donald, Sean mentioned there, there wasn't much highlights, but I suppose one highlight we could mention is Aidan Keane's goal. Uh, yeah, Rowan, like, I was just watching him during the match in both halves. And, like, he's such an exceptional talent. Like, he, he gets on the ball, his vision, his range of passing. Last game of the season, I know it, it, it was a bit of a damn squib, but, uh, like, you know, to look at some of our players playing, you'd never think it was last game of the season. Like, uh, and, and credit, credit to them, like, they, they gave it everything to throw it. Uh, Keane's goal was, I mean, maybe the keeper should have done a bit better, but it was a vicious, vicious shot, just dipped before the keeper could get his hand to it, and uh, it was a great finish, and he deserved it on the night, I felt he deserved it. Um, we were the better team, I felt, for the, for the first 45 minutes, I think we were fairly well on top, and 
it was a fluky old goal that both got. And uh, again, they scored early, scored late in the first half, early in the second half, and that really just killed the game. I think uh, it didn't reflect the scoring, didn't reflect the performance in the night, but um, it was unfortunate in the season, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, like I, I'd agree there. I thought we were look, it wasn't a spectacular game by any sense of the imagination, but we definitely were, I thought, the better team in the first half, and I was surprised, you know, when you're going off. Going inside, like to, to have a point. I, I couldn't believe it. They they had scored. Yeah, you you, no threat. you you came back no seconds left. What you you came back and it was like uh, you thought. Oh, did both score? Score two. <laughs> Shut up, you bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking show me up next to here. Sean, I suppose like well, he literally only missed four minutes. I uh, well, you know what? Well, just wrote just one other highlight. Just for, sorry before you uh, jump on there. The, 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 another highlight for the game uh, for me was uh, Shamey Kyo coming on. I thought we lost a bit of control in midfield uh, until Kyo came on, and as soon as he came on, uh, he started driving us forward again. Like it, it, it was nearly like he hit the switch as soon as Shamey Kyo came on. He made a big impact. I felt in the game. And we, we, we finished very strong and uh, I hope uh, I, I hope he, he's got over his injury as Sean was saying before we come on there that was a pretty bad one. So hopefully he's over that and uh, he can uh, push on now next season. Just just in relation to off the field, like the half time. So I went into underneath the main stand and uh, look, I've been in there plenty of time uh, you know, over the years, but uh, Went in there on Sunday night, and oh my god, it was like going—I don't know—I've never been in Germany, but if if I had, if it was to imagine a German nightclub in Berlin or something like that, that's what it was like. It was like doo, 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 doo. fucking <laughs> disco lights, lights off. Blah, blah, I seen heaving. It was like I seen Jordan O'Reilly. He is the he had a post up about it. You know Jordan that we've had on the pod here that does the balls pod, right? Yeah. He he had video footage up of it. All right, it looked unbelievable. It was just <laughs> this like, rocking. It was mayhem, absolutely mayhem. I'd say there was a couple of hundred people uh, in one of the in that main bar in that bar, and and I. But it's become a night out though, John. Even at the game. Yeah, it's become a night out. That's yeah. the reckon. It's actually it's a big enough night out now. Yeah. Head yeah. down to Daily Mount. They love it down there. Yeah, it was just like I've never seen anything like it before in my life at a football ground. And I've been in a lot of football grounds, but I've never seen anything like that. It was absolutely mad. <laughs> mad. Plus, look, everybody looked like they were having a good time, so fair play to them. It brings people in the gate. What about it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And do, uh, Sean, we'll finish off, I suppose, with the boys chat about, I suppose you could talk every episode about Aidan Keener, but finishes the season as top scorer. And, like, it was just, you know, another goal from for the collection. It was just... To finish the se- finish the season with the top score in the league is a a nice thing to have as well. It's a huge achievement for himself personally, um, but I think he'll even be disappointed because I think he wanted twenty. I think he wanted to round it out, um, so he'll be a little bit annoyed, I'm sure, which is a great thing as well because only spur him on for next year. But all in all, like he's he's been a revelation this year. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Nobody would have expected this. Like we all thought he'd do well. Well, after we watched him in the preseason, I thought, yeah, he'll do, he'll be decent. But I didn't even think he'd hit this this kind of heights. He's 
He's a phenomenal footballer. After that first game of the season against Pats, I think we were all blown away because he was just so good that night. And he's just, he's kept on getting better and better each game. And we've seen more aspects to his game as the season's gone on. He's like, bear in mind, he's played most of the season now as a number 10. Since Russell took over, he's dropped in as a number 10 and still ends the season as top goal scorer. Like, that's some feat. Like, that's, it's no joke. So, from a team that's finished fifth. Yeah. That annoys my shite, though. Um, do you know, like, when people say, oh, you got 18, but I'm not saying it with you, Sean, you're saying, right? But, um, <laughs> you know how people say, like, oh, you got 18, 18 league goals this season. It's nearly like, I don't know why that is, but, like, why, why are we so obsessed with league goals? Like, he scored three goals in Europe. Those three goals in Europe are far more important than any league goal. Like, in my, I would always say he got 21 goals this season. I wouldn't even get into the 18. Yeah. Oh no, pe- people nitpick at that for no reason. Like, yeah, you're right in what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, goals are goals. It doesn't matter if you scored them in the Milky Bar Cup or you know what I mean, the league it doesn't matter. Like, so he scored 21 goals. Like, yeah, well, like he has four goal, uh, goal involvement. So it's three goals in Europe and an assist in Europe. Like, yeah, I, I suppose the thing with that alone is some achievement. Sorry, Sean. The, no, the, the, the thing about the, the... The thing about the league goals thing, I suppose, is it's the only way you can kind of benchmark every striker in the Premier Division realistically. You know, the, yeah. the, they all play the same amount of games, 36 games. Who scores the most goals? That's it. Best, best striker in the league, you know. So that's you must be part of the Defenders um, Association, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a <laughs> strong union here, Jerry. I know you're yeah. the only striker here, so yeah. I'm in the Strikers Union, you're in the, the, the Defenders Union. <laughs> <laughs> goals are goals goals are goals uh, training goals in all counts yeah exactly so I know but look all in all with Keane I think everyone's in full agreement and just how good he is and the sky's the yeah. limit for the lad just bear in mind what is he 22 23 tops scary to think what he could actually become and let's just hope he's doing it in a in a red jersey Right, lads, we'll move on now to a bit of news. And I suppose the first bit of news is that we have seen, uh, as you could say, it's an introduction to and a minimum wage to be introduced in the League of Ireland from next season. So far as I'm aware, it will be €430 Euro per week for players that are over 20. Uh, 19-year-olds will get 380 while it's 330 for 18-year-olds and €280 Euro for 16 and 17 year olds so Sean I'll start with yourself it's a, it's a very it's an interesting way of doing things but it's a lot of people are saying it's long overdue what do you make of it with yourself well it is long overdue but it's, the one thing like obviously in one respect it's brilliant for players young lads aren't getting undercut in their wages they're not getting tiny deals that don't justify what they're what they're bringing to the club um, but then you'd wonder like even you look at a Finn Harps or someone like that or you know Drahada were on a really really tight budget this year how they'll be able to afford that going forward so I, I don't I just I don't know how it works properly going forward like you see um, McGuinness was saying there about clubs can now go part time as well like that's a step in the wrong direction for me whereas you're taking one step forward you're taking two steps back by encouraging teams to go part time like the whole league needs to be full time that's the only way we'll progress this league and um, so, so all knows me, so I don't know like sorry Sean to no go on go it. jump in because no but like he's saying that he's 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 also looking for Premier Division teams should have a minimum of 16 full-time professionals 
But on the other hand, then she's saying, well, if you can't afford it, go part time. Like, so it's I, just nonsensical altogether. Yeah, it's just it's it's confusing. Like, um, and for me, I think, I think it's going to prohibit uh, youngsters getting a chance because the League of Ireland isn't. Well, maybe other clubs are starting to get to the point where they can afford to take a chance, but. You know, most clubs up until now really lived uh, hand to mouth, uh, week to week. Um, so do you take like I, I think it's going to prohibit clubs taking a chance on a young fella or a fella that's a late developer or things like that. Um, so I, I like, you know, I suppose the likes of Shamie Coleman maybe was kind of a late developer. Um, and what time, what age did he go to Everton at? Was this twenty-three? What age was he? 22 or 23, I think. He was old enough like when Shamey went. He wasn't a teenager when he went. So... Oh, tw- sorry, he's 21. He's 21. 21. So, I think... I don't... Like, looking back at Shamey Coleman, Shamey Coleman had... I never would have thought that he would have reached the heights that he did. Um, and I don't think anybody would have. Um, and I don't think if the minimum wage that's currently proposed now or is going to be implemented, I don't think he would be very... I don't think, I think he would have lost the football, to be honest with you. And there's loads of different examples like that. I think if you're looking in the... Um, down south as well, where you see clubs like 3D United and stuff, you know, they, they're taking lads in from junior football down in the Curry Leagues and everything. And, like, if you turn around and say to them, you, you know, you have to pay 4.30 for this week, this lad a week... There's a just notice here. Part timers are 120, 105, and 90 euro respectively. Uh, clubs also retain the ability to register squad members as amateurs and pay them expenses. Okay, so what's going to happen is then lads that really, really, really want a chance are going to actually end up probably with, with less money now than what they would have if they had signed professional contracts. So yeah, they're going to get caught in a loophole, aren't they? They're going to get caught in a loophole. So yeah. you're going to have a lad that may have got a couple of hundred quid a week, right? His accommodation paid. So basically he's got 200 euro uh, disposable income. Or it's going to be a case now of, right, we'll pay your rent, but we're not giving you anything else. If you if you, if you want to take that chance. So there is anomalies, I think. Uh, I think there's, look, everybody deserves to earn a good wage. Um, but at the same time too, if you want an opportunity to be a professional footballer, maybe there are sacrifices that you need to make in order to get into that position. And you go back to the likes again of Jamie Coleman. Would he have hung around uh, for the opportunity? I don't think so. Um, and there's one or two other players that were in my head, but I can't think of now. Um, so I don't know. I don't I don't see how it's going to benefit everybody. Are we going to... We're talking about the League of Ireland. We're not talking about... We're not... I know we want to get more professional. I know we want to get more structured and blah 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 blah. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's probably too soon, maybe, and it's going to prohibit and it's going to hold lads back. Should it not have been brought in when the league actually went fully professional? And if you know everything that you know is on a good footing financially, and then you can actually start implementing this and having a fair wage structure throughout. Because what I'm thinking as well, are we going to come into a case now where? We had actually got to a nice place in the league where you were seeing two and a half year deals being thrown out all over the place, and that was, and that was non-existent in this league for a long, long, yeah. long time. 
So now we're we coming to a place where a club won't take that chance on a two and a half year That's it. Yeah. And you're going, right, it's just going to be a year's deal for you. And maybe you'll get the, the club will have the option on the second year, not the player. I think what you'll end up is you'll end up with smaller squads, like say for the likes of ourselves, who doesn't have a lot. And you're going to end up with uh, a smaller squad. And then you're going to end up with lads that are going to be signed on amateur contracts and be given expenses. Whereas those lads would have had 200 quid a week, as I said before, their accommodation would have been paid. So clubs are less likely to take a chance. And at the end of the day, it's going to probably weaken squads and weaken chances for lads to progress. And you're probably going to lose them to GEA and things like that as well. Why would they bother? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the fear, Jerry, exactly. Like, that are you going to lose young for the different sports? Like, like young people that are athletic, you know what I mean? Most of them could put their hands in any sport, you know, if, if, if they're... If they're if they're athletically inclined in sports, so as you say, like why would they come here on the the, the on, as an amateur when they can you know they can play that they can get a job locally and play fucking GA for whoever that job in the bank or whatever or exactly or something you know what I mean? that's exactly it. Yeah. So yeah. like I, I just it's I don't know it's, it's it's funny to me how like it's always the clubs that has to change. So it's always the league that has to change. But yes. The, the, the real change when the FBI is, is, is the FBI needs to change themselves and then kind of improve their improve their uh, model and improve the way they operate and grow the game at grassroots level, grow the game and do something about trying to bring more young people into the game uh, all over the country. And that's what their focus should be on, and that's I don't know uh, picking on the. I've said that good for any player that's that's. Look, these these fellas, they're they're living in a microscope, a lot of under the microscope, a lot of them locally, and it's it's not it's not an easy profession either to be fair to them, you know. So, like, I wouldn't be growing anyone, I wouldn't be growing anyone the, the minimum wage, but as you say, it's it could be counterproductive in the long run, yeah. Well, I think it will be counterproductive because at the end of the day, um, if you're if you want to, if you, it's about backing yourself and taking a chance, um whether you're good enough or not and you're paid people in, in, in this game right which it is a game the player is play is paid on his worth and if you haven't proven anything it's hard to prove your worth and that you're deserving of say 430 euros a week or was it 380 euro under 20 or something like that but I think the only way that we're in a position as the league to implement something like this at this particular time, and more so particularly in the midst of an economic crisis, is that the league is run centrally. Mm. You know, so, which isn't going to happen. But, you know, how how can how can you expect some clubs aren't able to uh, have massive squads, they're not able to pay... Uh, 19 year olds uh, or 20 year olds 430 quid a week like you know I think it's just I just think it's as Sean said there we've made massive strides in terms of of uh, longevity um, in terms of contracts um, things have really really have gone on the up I think this will be a retro a retrospective step a retrograde step even not a retrospective but yeah I, I just don't think it's it's the loophole thing that worries me for young lads because yeah. I think 
they are going to get caught in that being brought in on amateur contracts but expected to work professional hours basically yeah you know those lads we brought in on next to nothing a week and you know they have to train full-time hours every day basically and they won't be able to pick up that second job you know to to counteract that payment coming in like it is fantastic that a young lad gets the proper money that he deserves but it's just I just don't see how the clubs can sustain that we're not I had to laugh though when Stephen McGuinness quoted uh, Jack Byrne and he was saying that he's McGuinness was saying that well what Jack Byrne said to me one day that it wasn't fair that uh, he was playing against fellas that had to go to the work that had to go to work the next day well if uh if Baron was that um, worried about it, I'm sure he'd forgo, forgo some of his three and a half grand a week and give it to the fella that he doesn't have to go to work. That's the that's the three and a half grand that goes through the books, Jerry. Don't worry about the other two grand. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but but you know what I mean? It's like yeah. such bullshit. Like yeah, it's if, if Jack Byrne gives a fuck about some fella that's got to work, well, it's not fair. But if it's not fair, then give give him five hundred quid of your money. But you see, there's another problem. There's another problem as well, which is like if this is two big clubs. So if you if you be young for the right, uh, talented young fella, and the likes of Dory now are going to be able to say, well, we'll take a chance to you because we have a fella funding us. We'll, we'll give you the 400, uh, we'll give you your contract yeah. and we'll give you more than 30 a week. Whereas we're kind of, you say to know, can we afford to do it or can we not? They'll take the chance and if he's good, good and well, if not, do you know what I mean? That's, that's uh, if he's not, we'll, we'll let him go the following season. Like they're going to snap up any of those young fellas, the, the bigger clubs in the league, uh, they're going to snap up those young ones where we won't have the financial clout to uh, uh, to take that gamble. So it's, this is it's. I'm, I'm sure the, the 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 fellas, the likes of the likes of Shams and uh, the likes of Shams and Dury and all these fellas with the with the, with the big bank holders behind them, they're going to be rubbing their hands, man from heaven for them. But for the likes of us, I I, I don't think it's good news. To be honest with you, all. no. But you know what will happen, lads, right? And again, this is going to be. Um, and a disadvantage on the game in Ireland. So what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot more players coming in on loan from UK clubs that will mm-hmm. take the spots of the young lads that might have been on 200. I know keep going on about 200 quid a week and their accommodation. So what you're going to have is you're going to have you could have second rate young lads coming in from the UK and filling the spots that those young lads would have had. So it's actually going to be detrimental to the game because you're going to have less players coming through and could, because clubs will not take a chance because they can't afford to. So they'll take young lads in from the UK. And we're, and we're losing exactly what we finally made strides in where we were actually becoming feeder clubs to the UK. Yeah. Like you look at all the players that have just gone in the last two years. That's a try up, I, I guarantee it, because clubs will not take a chance on, uh, on these young lads coming through. But it even could be detrimental to... The way we were processing it properly is like in Bowes were, you know, they were leading the way in it by bringing young lads back from England. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's another one where we can't take the chance on that now. It's like, what what senior football have you played? None. Right, we have to fucking nearly hand out 500 euros a week to you. Plus, plus it could, you could be talking about paying accommodation as well on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot that goes on with contracts with, with all that. It's not just a simple case of here's four euros a week there's yeah. a lot more to it than that in terms of cost for a club so like, yeah. go on Donald I, I, like, I suppose this, if there's any players to this any young players to this thinking that we progress them the, the money that's that's well, certainly that's not that would be my that wouldn't be my uh, no I, I, I like that Donald I look at it from a club's point of view that's all 
Yeah. But yeah. I suppose the thing is, it's not, no, like, obviously we don't know. We, 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 I think the thing that Slag Roars fans are, are very much passionate about is giving young fellas a chance and bringing them through. But I just think that it's a step too soon, too far, and that it'll actually uh, make clubs like ourselves uh, not give contracts out to young fellas because they can't afford to take the chance. You're going to have to be unbelievably exceptional exceptional at a young age. There'll be no room for uh, late bloomers. And I think what you'll find is that you'll have an influx of unknown players from the UK that will take these young fellas' chance. And in the end, you'll have less uh, players uh, being in the league and paying their dues to the, the likes of Stephen McGuinness. I think it's just... I don't think they've really thought it through. There's, there's so much there's so much the, the, the FBI should be doing uh, to try and develop football in this country uh, as a sport and, and try and get more young people more involved and uh, that's to me that's what the focus should be on and, and uh, it just doesn't help when the CEO is based in in, in, in England yeah that's not it leadership is, is it? it it feels like it's one of these situations now where they've had their their to-do list and they've basically went through it and said right we haven't completed half of this what one can we implement quickly or oh, that one there that the the minimum wage for young fellas it actually has nothing to do with us we don't have to do anything it's actually all on the clubs and the players themselves but we look like great men for implementing it because we're looking after the young talent which they're not really doing at all because as Jerry's pointed out there they haven't they haven't looked at the long term situation here and what the outcome can be it, it this could prove detrimental for more players than we can count. And just to, to finish up on this point, I think uh, both of the lads uh, mentioned it there, Sean and Donald, that um, where the league is probably from a player um, from a player development point of view, we've probably never been in a better position due to Brexit in that young players are able to stay at home. So. It's so FEI, it's so PFA, it's so Irish football that when we get ourselves in a great position to develop players or to develop anything, we we, we go and undo it ourselves. Uh, we give out about the GAA, the IRFU, but there's the biggest hindrance to Irish football is Irish football itself. And another bit of news, lads, that we saw during the week was the potential takeover of Shells. It looks like they're about to be, well, they're supposedly advanced talks with the owners of Southampton. So, Sean, it's a, it's another League of Ireland club that looks like they're going to get a, a backer, a, someone that can bankroll them, you could say. Yeah, it's looking like that, but I don't think that's exactly the plan for this crowd that's taking them over. Um, they see they've recent they took over Southampton last year, so they have, and they seem to be going for the Red Bull model of having feeder clubs throughout Europe. I know they've won in Turkey, they have you now they've won in Shells, and they've won somewhere else. I can't think of where it is. Is Serbia as well, or somewhere like that in around that area? But I think what it is is just looking for avenues to get players back in for Southampton as well because that's the main project so it's just having feeder clubs all around Europe whether or not they're they're successful with it who's to know like they've had a bit of a scattergun approach in, with Southampton as it is 
You know, they've signed a lot of young players for big prices, hoping to flip them on for big money. I don't know what benefit they'll have to Shells. I don't personally think they're going to bankroll them that much. I don't think that's the case. I think maybe they'll have Shells have more access to loan players and uh, so good caliber of players, I suppose, could come in on loan there. But I don't think it's a it's a money project like Derry have. I don't think it's going to be a, a cash cow. No. And, you know, you go and get who you want. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. But, like, this could well fall flat in its face because if if it if the model doesn't work at Southampton, it's going to fail all over. They're heavily reliant on that being successful. And In fairness to Shells, though, they do have a lot of serious backers behind them already. There's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the main guy there, he's a uh, solicitor or something like that. But uh, is he not stepping away to let these injury? No, I think these are just buying in. Okay, okay. Yeah, and like there's a, I think they mentioned a seven figure, uh, number, Sean. Like yeah. that's a that's a million quid. And a million quid sounds great and all that, but it's not a lot of money. It doesn't even run your five million to run rovers for a season. Yeah. I wouldn't get too upset about it just yet. No, I I think it's a long term maybe if it, but as I say, if it's successful. Like I don't mean to be talking about Southampton on fucking League of Ireland podcast, like, but the reality of it is that's their big project, and Southampton have already flipped owners three times in the last few years, so there's nothing guaranteed on this project, and it's already failing. Where they've already sacked the manager, so they have. So in certain aspects of it's failing already, and if they get relegated, they'll be told to push on, and they'll be up for sale again, and then the whole system falls apart. So shells could be in trouble that way. I suppose, lads, you have to ask the question as well. If they're willing to put in a seven-figure fee, which writes starting at a million, what are they getting for the million? Like they're they're not fucking stupid either. Like they must be getting something. Whether they're getting, I know Shelburne don't own the ground, or but you just don't know what. Like, like from the reports I read, these negotiations are going on for several months. Um, like what are they negotiating over? What have, what have Shell's got to negotiate with anybody for a million euros or pounds or whatever the case may be? Like, what do they actually own other than a name? Um, because as far as I know, the council on the ground now. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I'd be, I would be um, suspicious of any of these type of deals. Uh, also with that back injury, you know, you're saying the seven figure sum. Like, that's, or six figure sum, um, it's seven. Sorry, but um, that's been put aside as well. They're saying for training facilities and stuff. Like if that's the case, that is really it's next to nothing. You're talking about a few bags yeah. and jerseys in early at that stage. With the price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know we're like with the cost of living and everything to get any kind of work done. spaces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe Duffer's going setting up a flower stall in Stevens Green or something. I don't know. A barista, coffee shop. Big enough mount, anyways. <laughs> but like genuinely, that like that's not a lot of money for training facilities. You know, you for decent training facilities, you'd be looking at ten million. So I just I I I I I'm, I don't know if I'm intrigued or what's the right word, but when you see these uh, financial people coming in uh, investing money heavily in clubs, like. They're not doing it. They're not doing it for the crack. Uh, they obviously they see it as an investment and see that there's a potential to get a return on their investment, but they're not doing it 
because they're like uh, philanthropists or anything like that. They're doing it because they want return on, on their investment. And it's as simple as that. Is it? I, I would have thought maybe, obviously, it's probably trying to bring young players through like Sean, what you said, and uh, and flip them on to, uh, to Southampton. Are, <clears throat> but it's like, I just, the, the amount of money there's in football now at the moment, I don't think, it, it, in, at, a, at a global level, I just, I don't think it's sustainable. And like, as Jerry was sitting there in Iran, like we're, we're, we're facing, I would say, economic abyss, but like there's there's major recession coming. And uh, like, how they, they, they're throwing money around, they're like stuffed away with all these, a lot of these investors. And I just, I just, I don't know. I see an awful lot, like our most successful uh, period in recent history was. Uh, at the end of the recession, or maybe kind of the height of the recession in 2010, when we were able to pay players' wages, and there was fellas paying big monies uh, for 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 players in, in different clubs, and they weren't able to they weren't able to stay in their wages. Um, I'm probably talking pure rubbish here, but no, but I, you're not though. But I think that's where the likes of Derry might um, prosper, and they might prosper in the same way that we did. Yeah, slightly differently in that while well, we always minded our money and we were we were we were diligent with our money and whatnot, yeah. whatnot. but Derry don't need to be anything because they've got a fan that's a billionaire behind them. So they actually, I think you're right, Donald. I think you know we are facing into a, a world recession at some point or another because I think we everybody's taken so many blows between Brexit, Ukraine, oil crisis, all that stuff. Right? Look, that look, it's inevitable that you will have a recession, and I think. The likes of Derry are probably the most uh, robust club that will be going into a recession because they have bottomless pit of money. Yeah. Um, a bottomless pit of money because it'll be like me or any of you on the podcast becoming a billionaire. It's fucking spare change down the back of the couch. And you know, you know, the rich get richer in the recession and the poor get poorer. But Jerry, as you're saying there and then in regards with Derry and it's bang on the money, like this crowd aren't coming into shells. They don't really care about Shelburne. Shelburne oh, is just oh, an that's, that's what Sean is, or Donald yeah, is. This is just an accessible club to them. Like, and even success means nothing to this crowd. Like Shelburne winning trophies doesn't really benefit them because realistically there's no money in winning trophies in Ireland. No. So there's not. So there's no big financial turnover there for them. This is literally just about getting access to younger footballers. Dave, there's, there's more. There's more money in the Scottish Challenge Cup than there is in winning the fucking yeah. league. Here. Sure. What was it? Our our game against Motherwell being televised on Premier Sports was worth more less than winning the FAI Cup or the league. I think was it? That that is just that baffles me beyond belief. But anyway, so what I'm saying, like with this crowd. You know, they, people thinking they're going to come in and pump money into shells and pump, pump, pump and get players, players, players. That's not going to be the case. What they want is just access to younger players that maybe in the off chance they can flip them players for a profit down the line. So they don't need Shelburne going out now signing Aidan Keane or any of the top players in the league. They want 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds. Yeah. That's what they want. That's what they want access to because there can be money in them. They want to... Maybe what... The thing they'll probably invest heavily if they invest in anything is a youth system for shells. But yeah. shells... Maybe, maybe that's what they're putting a the million into because I suppose if you uh, if you turn over a couple of players, 
you know, that's worth a few million. So I suppose... Yeah. Yeah. But shells don't even benefit from that long term because they'll no. be taking the money from that. That's for their pocket. Yeah. That's just, where they get their return on everything. Just, it's no more I, than with the fellow who runs Pats, Kelleher. Yeah. Like he, he pumps in his money, but when they get Europe, that's him getting his money back. That's when he takes his money back again. They don't have yeah. that. So yeah. they don't have unlimited funds either. You know, it is only at the moment Shams and Derry that have all the money. And Shams have a true. Desmond and success, which obviously nobody wants to admit, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Have yeah. That. And then Derry have it, as Jerry's already pointed out. Monopoly money, Nerry. You've Waterford shown, though, like they, they have investors. There's talk of Drahada getting investors as well. Now you have Shelburne. There's talk of Shelburne getting investors. And I suppose, there, I'm sure there is, there's Rovers fans, and you know, on, on that forum, there's Rovers fans saying, like, <laughs> that, that we should be looking for, uh, for investors. But like, if you put on the news today, right, you have billionaires in uh, your man, Elon Musk, right, uh, the, the Mark Zuckerberg, the, the Carlson brothers, the Dave Stripe, they're all, these these tech billionaires, they're all letting staff go. It's all about, it's, they're all cutting jobs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if these billionaires and, and these these multinationals that are, that are making massive profits, if they're letting staff go, That'll tell you what's coming down. The, that's what that'll tell you what's coming down the, the tracks and it's coming down pretty fast. So I'd much rather be a fan of one club and being able to wash your face at the end of every season, uh, whether we have a trophy in the cabinet or not, but being able to stand on our own two feet uh, rather than have some better come in, throw a ball of money in, and next thing, us become reliant on it, and then Wallop, he's gone, and we're up the fucking shit Excuse my language. Ask, ask Dundalk fans about investors. Yeah. And see where you go. See what they thought of pick six. Everyone thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be unbelievable when they came in. Dundalk thought, and they looked at a couple of successful years, no doubt about it. But it was just a wee bit longer than that successful period. But yet they fell, they fell hard after it and are still feeling the effects of it, really. I, don't, so, yeah. I, I think I Dundalk just, got lucky, though, and in terms of... I think Dundalk got lucky, though, in terms of, um, Sean, that there were local investors that were able to step in when pick six yeah, when they walked stepped away. away. Yeah. Like you've got the guys that own Stat Sports, which is probably the biggest GPS uh, company in the world. They're 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 involved with them, and also then you've got the, the previous lads that have. Uh, what is it? Screwfix. Is it? Or yeah, one of those type of. Yeah. Yeah. So no, they, they they're they're propped up as well by, like I, realistically, I, and I said this before, I think if you look at the top ten teams. Um, in the the Premier and the next probably five, probably fifteen clubs. There's only two to three now that aren't um propped up by investors or, or money men. Um, and I would make an exception. Again, go back to Derry. I think they're 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 going to be the strongest club going forward. Uh, and they're they're recession proof. Um, for as long as he wants. Yeah, for as long as he wants. And his son is a big fan as well. And I suppose that's kind of the worry is that. The money isn't going to dry up there, but but um, Jerry, just about uh, you know something. Just when, when I was actually I saw Rory Higgins there on the television. He was being interviewed just before the cup. You know, did you fall asleep? I do you know something. I just it actually. I was just thinking for all the money Jerry have, it just goes to show it can't buy you happiness because he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought he's making the ten notes or something like that. I was going, oh my god, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's the saddest man in Ireland, isn't he? 
I think I think he's probably Stone's dog type. He is like something out of Father Ted, though. Yeah. Oh Father Stone, is it? That's Father Stone, yeah. <laughs> but even like even that project up there, though, I think they need to get rid of Higgins. To be honest with you, if they really want to progress that, because all he wants to do is, is get the band back together. Like I even see now they're heavily linked with getting McLean back. It's just like Jesus, if you ever, if you ever played for Derry at any point in your career, come on back up. Uh, no, but it, look, it's, it's showing appearance. You can't argue with the push jams all the way. I, I, I give them that. I don't. I would, I would be his biggest fan. But he did push jams all the way during a cup final, so he's obviously done something right as well. Like appearance too. Do you know what though? Did they push Shams all the way? You know, Shams fell away with Europe and stuff, and there was games in hand, and then they went to... Like, I looked at them when they played us that night. You know what I mean? They were playing us to stay in a, in a league race, and we strolled by them. They were pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And, like, that to me, that's, that's the sign of your manager. That's your manager's personality coming out of you straight away. They should have been going on to that pitch fired up. Yeah. They were bringing it down. You know, they could have brought it to the last day if they wanted to. And they just stepped aside for us. He's an improvement on, on Kenny Shields and an appearance. No, and 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 Devine and taking that lunatic on. Oh yeah. Like I don't know what they're thinking is there, but anyway. Right, lads. We'll go to the final part of the news, and uh, we'll discuss Ollie Horgan, who has left Finn Herbs after nine years. Sean, it's a some would say it's a surprise, but uh. So much in the time of right, but I suppose it's uh, it's an end of an era. That is, but it's the end of a banter era as well, so it is. You know, it's, I, I think it's long overdue. Herb should have stepped away from Ali a long time ago, and like that, him himself, it had got to the stage now where it was, they weren't making progress as a football club. Like, been a, avoiding relegation and been proud of that all the time, and no progress been made whatsoever. That's that's not healthy and it showed in their fan base and everything like that. Their crowds, everything were down. Can't progress a football club in that way. So you can't, like, I said it there on Twitter as well earlier on, like, the abandonment of youth in that county is absolutely phenomenal. It's scary how bad that transition from youth into Finn Harps has been. We've had more Donegal players. The better Donegal players play for us than Finn Harps have. They've actually, and even on their way back up, from Dublin or down south, they've played for us first before they've gone back to Harps. They've literally ended their career at Harps when it's all over, all said and done. Like the players that have come out of Donegal that have never played for Finn Harps is scary. Like they let Jamie Coleman slip through their fingers. Never went oh, near them. The players that went to Derry as well over the years, yeah. you know, um, like you know, like the likes of Mark Farr, Kelly. Georgie, Georgie Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Um, the lad that played right back for us, his name has gone out of my head. The, the, the... Donnelly. Yeah, Captain Cork came and played with us, was one of the best right backs in the league for years. Never played, didn't play for Harps until he couldn't play anymore. Yeah, there's hunting, hunting the men's players, but uh, Barry McNamee, the McNamee brothers, Barry's only back now and he's part time, you know, and like, that's the only reason he's back. They're great, they're great at youths, you know, up to a certain point. And I suppose the conundrum as well is that I'm surprised more youth players from Donegal don't sign for Rovers because. We do actually have a clear pathway, whereas at Harps, nobody ever makes it from Donegal, which is just they either make it at Derry or they make it at Rovers or they go over to the UK or they come, when they come back from the UK, they either go to us or Derry. They don't go to Finn Harps. This is one of the, 
because there's not a good culture there of looking after young players. You know, it's like bring some fella, like we said before, bring some fella in from the Fiji Islands uh, mm. to fix fix the problem. Like you know, they've had a we so many well, but we we've a better balance. Oh yeah, far better balance, Jerry. We we've invested heavily in our youth setup. I I don't see Harps doing anything with theirs, even even to the point where we've taken their better coaches in Dinky and Declan Boyle. Yeah. yeah, you know they shouldn't be wanting to go anywhere. They should be in a serious job up there, you know, where they're constantly bringing through all these players. Like the feed, the talent pool they have up there is crazy. So, so many so, good players come from Donegal. So it might be the best thing for them that, um, I, oh, sorry, it might be a good thing for them that they did get relegated um, and might actually get their youth structure up and running properly. Like, I think, you know, in fairness to Kevin McHugh, he seems to be doing a great job there. And maybe, maybe the, maybe they'll have a, a change of direction. But I think uh, on, in all aspects of the club, um, uh, at, at Finn Harps, it seems to be an array. Not even, not on the, not, not just on the pitch, but behind the scenes as well. Um, it's just it seems to be all over the place, and that's not me. Just that's not just hearsay. That's no, no but it, you can see it though, Jerry, from the outside looking in. It doesn't look good. Even that nonsense they do with social media, like people aren't laughing with them; they're laughing at them. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's not good. You don't conduct yourself like that. Even this nonsense where they're. Fucking, they're cuckolding for Shamrock Rovers. Like, it's, oh, it's, it's disgraceful. It really, really is. Like, it's sad. Like, there should, like, Harps, like, I think of Harps in the late 90s, early 2000s, were a decent club. Like, they were a yeah. good Premier Division side. Some great players played for them. Yeah. You know, and the just. Speak and Mulligan up front for them. Oh, you know. And they took some of our better players as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, like, and they, were, they were a decent club and big crowds and everything when you went up to Finn Park. It's just not like that now. Like, even you look at that ground, it's a kip, and that's the only word for it. You know, I'd love to see them progress and get into a better ground. It'd be nice to see a, a decent Finn Harps team, you know, yeah. with a successful ground and everything else. It'd be good because, look, at the end of the day, the League of Ireland needs the Northwest being strong as well. It just can't be Rovers flying the flag all the time. You know, you look at Snow Harps again and go with both back down in the first division. Longford the next was closest ones to us. So, you know, that's not good. You know, you'd rather see a couple of them up in the Premier Division. But as Jerry says, Harps have a chance here now where they can start from scratch. They can bring through a lot of youth. And you don't press the reset button. Really. Yeah, but I personally think they'll probably go the wrong way because they're trying to get this ground off the, the stadium off the ground. They might panic and try and get back at the first time of asking. And that means bringing in loads more of experienced players to try to get the job done. I, do, I, I don't think, I don't even think that that's, that's possible to Like, when you think you've, you've got United, uh, again, they're another team as well. That's the, even though they're not up, like they're another team that's going to be, the, they're being back with the Comer brothers, right? Yeah. Three United that, that in fairness, they had, uh, like that, uh, and whoever whoever goes down between UCD and uh, between UCD and our Waterford, uh, like it's going to be very very hard to come out of that. It's going to be nearly impossible to come out of that first division. Uh, so this next season, so it's that's that's going to be look at on a personal level. I spoke with with uh, with Ali Horgan a couple of times. Very nice man, I have to say, and uh, like he eats. Steve's and breeds, uh, East Steve's and breeds football, League of Ireland. 
Uh, and I know uh, you hear stories about, about the sacrifices that he's made and the, the, the contribution that he's made to, to, to football up in uh, up up in, in Donegal up with with Finn Herb. So I, I'm personally I'm sorry to see him lose his job. Like as I say, he's he he, he gives it everything and uh, he's uh, what you see is what you give him. Um, maybe it's best for her that that's best for both parties that he, that he moves on. But certainly. He'd, he'd be a manager, he'd be, he'd be straight children and on a personal level, I, I, he's, he's a fellow I'd enjoy listening to and uh, anytime I ever spoke to him a couple of times I did, he was a nice man so I do feel sorry for him, absolutely. So for the final part of the podcast, we will discuss the season gone by and I'm delighted that we're joined by Magoo. Magoo, first of all, how's things? Good, good, yeah, lads, and yourselves? All good, thank you. Long time no chat. Indeed. Well, every day, like, but on air. So, Magoo, uh, I'll start with yourself, I suppose. It's been a, you could say it's been a long season. There's been enjoyable bits. There's been not so enjoyable bits. But uh, from your own point of view, your own personal highlights, if you were to to give them. Oh, I, I think it's the obvious ones, really, isn't it? Europe and uh, just the whole European run in that, that couple of weeks. I think we spoke about it before, but that that couple of weeks around the European run was just uh, it was unbelievable. It was it was one of the best times ever supporting Rovers, and that includes cup wins and league wins and everything. It's just uh, there was a period I think of about a week or ten days around the Motherwell games where every day there was some good news coming out of the club with people signing contract extensions. Uh, you know we weren't having the game here, and then it was here. All that kind of stuff it was just every day was. So, uh, good news on top of good news, and then the results. Uh, pinning on either side of it, like I think, yeah, that two week period really was was something special, and and watching Aidan Keane all year too, has has been a bit special as well. And Donald, yeah, uh, definitely. It, uh, I suppose the highlights, the three, the the highest point for me was um, that that home game against Motherwell just. Oh, just the, the the feeling of elation uh, walking down Churchill after that game was just uh, it's, it's something like literally my feet were hardly touching the ground. It was just it was unbelievable. Uh, and as McGrew says, just that whole week, just the buzz around town and all the positivity around the club and just everything. Draws just it was just the weather was good as well at the time and just everything. The sky was blue and the, the, the was, we were untouchable for, for, for those, for, for that little period of time, we were absolutely untouchable. And uh, I suppose it's, uh, it's they're, they're the kind of, they're the moments, they're the, they're the, those little things that you live for as a, as a football fan. So, and again, no more than we go, like this is the first game of the season, like the, 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 I wait Pats, Aidan Kane is looking up to be at the game and I tell you, I just knew that. Oh, you just knew he just just the pair, like, uh, and just to see him, just to see him put on a show, uh, all season long, it's just it's, it's been a joy to watch. <clears throat> and some, there's been some great goals as well. Uh, there's a goal. There's a couple of goals. There's three goals particularly that kind of stick out in my head. Uh, uh, a goal against Strada early in the season. Uh, Will Fitzgerald got it. It was a great team goal. Um, uh, just sticks out as big. It just it kind of 
Quite at the appetite for, for some of the performances that we were to see during the season. Buckley with the ball for O'Sullivan. It's Banks to Max Mata. Mata back to Hamilton. A lovely ball from Hamilton to Will Fitzgerald. And on left Fitzgerald goes for goal and it's in the back of the net. What a goal from Will Fitzgerald. Drada United nail a slider over his three. What a goal, Mark. Contender for goal of the month, definitely. You know, beautiful passage of play. Works it really well there. You know, you're talking about Buckley here to O'Sullivan. Played to, to Banks. Going to say it was into Mata. Back to, <laughs> back to Hamilton. Plays it out to Fitzgerald and Akers. Great touch, great strike, great finish, great goal. Shane Shane The two goals, two of the goals... The two goals in the Motherwell game at home. It'll be Blaney now. That's a strike. Oh, my God. He's got it in the top corner. Oh, look, oh, oh my God, God. What a goal. With Shane Blaney. Three minutes on the clock. What a strike. And Shane Blaney, 35 yards Unbelievable. Out. Ball into the top right corner. I can't believe my eyes. Sliger Rovers won. Motherwell nil. The minute, the minute the ball left his foot, you could see it was going in the top corner. The keeper was nowhere near it. It was absolutely perfect. Oh my word, Sean Connor. I've never seen the likes of that in the showgrounds. A goal to live up to the atmosphere. Shane Blaney, what a strike. Sliger Rovers won. Motherwell nil. 2-0 Rovers on aggregate. And in Kina, a piece of a ball to slide in Max Mata. Max Mata's in the back, gets a strike away. Yeah! He's got it. Max Mata has yeah! scored. Sliger Rovers 2. What a goal! 3-0 on Aggregate! We're going to Norway! Magnificent! Kina! Listen to the crowd here, Sean! Listen to the crowd in the showground! Listen to what it means to Sligo Town! Max Mata! Liam Kelly, the, the Motherwell keeper, has his head in his hands. He can't believe it. Graham Alexander can't believe it. Motherwell can't believe it. Sliger Rovers can't believe it. They're going to the next round of the UEFA Europa Conference League. The goal was set up by the best player in the pitch, Aidan Kina. His through ball was magnificent. And there's a third one. It's gone over my head now. So obviously, it wasn't that memorable. But there was, there was a couple of big balls anyway that... Uh, uh, look, there's plenty of highs, really, though, as there's plenty of highs, right, yeah. Great season. Jerry? Um, I enjoyed the whole season. And I, and, look, sound like a bit of a, probably a dick, but I enjoyed all, every season, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. But, like, this season was just, like, it was like no other, in, you know, particularly for the, the European, like, I suppose, like, the, 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 the film, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and we had a bit of everything, you know. Um, but like the highs were, I think Russ's first game against Derry, that was a massive, massive win um, on the night. And it really was one of those Monday night games. Um, and just like, I don't know, I, I like the Monday night games, even though I hate Monday night football. It always seems, we always seem to do well. It always seems to be a good atmosphere. The crowd always gets behind the team. Um, maybe it's hangover still after the weekend, but um, I suppose highlights were like over in Glasgow, um, and like every second person stopped us in the street, you know, when they seen that, seen the colours that we were wearing to to congratulate us and reading the newspapers over there, and like 
you know, how some of the newspapers were like being really kind of, I suppose, um, the minnows, minnows and stuff like that. And it was just like, you know, like the, the hairs nearly stand up on the back of your neck when you're reading it and seeing the photographs in the paper and just like over in Fair Park as well. Like when we went one nil up and just uh, the celebrations and stuff like that. And it was even like kind of, I suppose, feeling like a really, really big club on a big stage uh, and getting one over on like, you know, a traditional SPL side. You know, it was just like you, you, you couldn't make it up. Um, and I think it's memories that we, that would definitely live for myself, would definitely make me, I, I, I'll never forget them, you know, and like, I suppose, like, for that period of time, I, you know, normally I'm about five foot nine, five foot ten, but I, I felt like it was uh, six, am I joking there? <laughs> Everybody's like, do we laugh or not? But uh, I felt like six foot tall walking around, like, and it was, I was great, I would like, made great friends and great relations, even between the clubs and get to know other people and stuff like that. It was just brilliant. Such there's a real togetherness and look, I know we'll do it. I know we didn't do it this year, but I know we'll do it again. And 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 uh yeah, look, it was it was an unforgettable forgettable season in a lot of ways. And the next it's nearly the commentary that sticks out for me. It was the one uh it was play. It was uh, Keen and Matt. Keen and Matt. Remember that one? Who was again? It was against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another. That was another. Uh, another great goal. Again, we're we're we were right behind that thing. But uh, yeah. Long ball from Kirk joins Aidan Keena under pressure. Mata to Keena. And Keena's away now. Storming into the box. Shane Griffith's getting back to cover. Keena squares it to Max Mata. Touch gets away from him. Back with Keena. And Keena chips it in. Sligo Rovers have taken the lead. And it's Aidan Keena's 10th goal of the season. What a move from Sligo Rovers. Keena, Mata, Keena, Mata, Keena. Goal. Sligo Rovers 2. Shelburne 1. Oh, it's absolutely unbelievable goal. I said at the start of the game, I... I, would, I didn't want Aidan Keane to probably play in the 10 position. I'm maybe a bit old-fashioned. I like to see him closer to the goals. Everything that has been good so far about us this season has come true. His link-up play has been unreal, and he's deserved that goal. Such a calm head in front of the goal. Thinks it over the keeper. The showground is alive, Donald. It's what football's all about, really, isn't it? Following your your local team and, and that local pride. And, you know, I don't think you can get, like, you know, we all like English teams and other or Spanish teams or whatever the case may be, but... There's nothing, absolutely nothing that comes close to supporting your your own your own team, like your you know your local team. Absolutely nothing comes close. No, that that day in Glasgow was one of the best days of my life. Yeah, it was unreal. The whole the whole day was was brilliant. Like, but like after the game was just, uh, it was just chaotic. But it was just brilliant chaos. Like it was just. Madness and joy and elation and disbelief and everything. I couldn't believe it, like, but it was just. And it was good nature chaos. It was. Um, oh, it was, yeah. You know, like, um, we got, as you know, the trust got emails from um, what's called the, the place in, in Wrexham, uh, fucking social, uh, Hill, Hill Social. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that pub like say thanks and uh, then in Glasgow um, oh I remember yeah Gracie's like they I spoke to the to the girl that's the, the manager there 
one of the nights and she came out from the bar just to congratulate and thank uh, everybody because she couldn't believe how a football crowd of that size and there wasn't one like incident or everything everybody's in good form everybody was like well behaved and you know it was just like an absolute credit to uh to Sligo and, and to the to the football club. So you know sometimes we can focus on on the negative uh, and obviously a big negative is is the St. Pat's thing where a few people let the side down. But and people love to to hone in and focus in on, on, on the negative because I suppose in this day of social media, nothing sells better or nothing there's no better clickbait or no better thing to get likes than the negativity. Everybody loves that. But you know, take away, you know, a couple of instances in the last part of the season where I suppose lads that don't even don't even follow the club but just came along for a and not most of them are only fucking kids came along and and spoiled the last few games. But we've so much to be proud of uh, as a football club and as a, as an area, uh, how we represented our our area in Europe. And we always have. And, you know, don't let one or two dickheads that threw bottles uh, take away from that because we're so much better than that. Like, And that's, I suppose, we saw Liam Buckley left the club um, midway through the season and John Russell came in. I suppose I'll give this as an open question to all three of you. Um, whoever wants to come in, how would you review John Russell's tenure so far? Well, I'll start it off, Ronan. I, uh, I couldn't be happier uh, with the job John Russell has done so far. Uh, I was very fond of Liam Buckley, the, the, an absolute gentleman, but I just think the time had come probably. Uh, <clears throat> the time had come for, for, for a change in direction, and I, th- I think John Russell has given us a, uh, he's been a breath of fresh air. You can see the, the fitness level of the players is... Is, is, is it's just been a marriage improvement in the fitness level of the players and some of the football that we have been playing albeit not with necessarily John's uh, John's squad <clears throat> some of the goals we've scored and some of the football that we've played under him has been excellent and honestly like with the best one in the world no disrespect to Liam Buckley I, in a million years I don't think we would have we would have got through two rounds of Europe and big Viking at home in Europe uh, if, if Liam was to be here Um it's it's it, it, to me like John is, is uh, for, for the hand he's been dealt with. I think he's done a fantastic job, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do next season. Uh, he needs time, he needs patience uh, from the fans, but uh, um, he's I, for me. I think it's it's been it's been a very successful uh, tenure so far. Cool. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with one hundred percent everything. I think the time will come same as that. Now, Satlin was gentleman, so like nobody likes anybody losing jobs, like especially when you're a nice fella. But we all could see, we all spoke about it. Things had gone stale, and it needed refreshing. And I think John has refreshed it. His done says we look much fitter, much sharper. Um, we we like once John settled into us, you could see. Whereas everybody says Liam likes to play nice football and stuff, and, and you, you hear some people saying, "Oh, nothing has changed," but it has changed. Like if you look at it, the football is different. It, it's far more aggressive without the ball. It's 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 faster and and through the tires with the ball. 
Um, and that's I think John's only getting started to be honest with you Don, so it's not his team um, I'm sure there's a lot of players he probably want to move on a lot of players he want to bring in um, so he will need time but I think he is the man I, I honestly do think he's the man going forward next season I hear, I hear a lot of talk from people about he should be replaced now and when's he going he should, nothing is different from Liam and, and all that but like it's nonsense to be honest with you it really is nonsense and, and people need to be careful what to wish for to be honest as well because, like, I, I've had people say to me, oh, bring Holly Horgan in. He knows how to organise a team. Like, <laughs> Holly, like do, does he really know how to organise a team? Like, they've, they've battled relegation for 10 years. Like, he's not doing very great at organising a team. For He shouts a lot. Yeah, like, he shouts a lot. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, people, like if, if, you, if we were out looking for a manager now and you were asking to tick boxes, it would be someone who gets the club in the town take... Uh, Somebody who will give you the chance. Take somebody who plays good football. Uh, somebody who knows the market for transfers outside of this country. Because let's be honest, like the, you were talking earlier on about uh, the the clubs with the back and with the money and everything. Like we're 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 not shopping in the same shop as them lads. Like so, we have to look outside the box. So you need a man who knows the market outside of this country. John, John takes every one of them boxes. So I think the problem there, Miguel, though, is that the vast majority of the fans believe that we are still shopping in the same supermarket as the rest of the clubs, when that absolutely is no way uh, oh. accurate. Um, I think the wage inflation in the league has just gone through the roof, and we are nowhere near competing at that level in terms of no. finances. No, we have to be clever. Like, we have to be... Like and like John was like we, we got we got Frank in like and he's an Estonian international. Now people were were hearing an Estonian international coming in and they were expecting him to be messy, like do you know what I mean? Like but like he's he's proved to be a good signing and I think that's the kind of the route we have to go down. Like we have Fabrice here now, we hopefully he'll be the fact we've hung on to him all season bodes well of what to think of him, like so hopefully he'll be a good signing too. But that's the kind of stuff that's where we're going to be going. It's not, you're not going to see a whole pile of uh, League of Ireland lads coming, I wouldn't say. But, that, but that's even, like I, um, Clive Hines put up a, a piece there during the week in a, a WhatsApp group and I think it was from 1967 and uh, it was in, I don't know, it was an English magazine or it was like covering kind of Ireland and English, British Britain and Ireland football. But anyways, basically in 1967, uh, Sligo Rovers signed their seventh uh, full-time professional this season. Um, so, uh, you know, we've always had to, I suppose, think differently. We've always had to go outside of Ireland to get players in. Because we're a sparsely populated uh, part of the country, uh, Dublin players get nosebleeds when they, they go beyond, beyond the Spa Hotel. Um, so we've always had to be inventive, we've always had to uh, box clever, we've always had to go abroad to bring players in to supplement what we have. And I think we probably have to really dig down and and uh, try and unearth players from abroad because along with our, our own academy, and I think it's a good blend for, for to bring us forward. And um, it's just about, I suppose, getting a little bit lucky along with a lot of hard diligence uh homework to to get the right players in i just just there's uh there's two things that i suppose that 
the people well number one is Lewis McGinty uh, when we did during the season was was massive loss and like people need to consider that when they when they, they look at as uh, John's uh, performance today and and the other thing I say is like that's losing that game although being turned off but losing the points that was a massive blow and like for him to keep the players motivated the way he's done and for them to put in the performances that they have done since then and like playing these games when there's there's like I suppose realistically they are for all intents and purposes dead rubber games but like to see those to, to see our team go and fight for 90 minutes um uh, regardless it, it, like the way he's motivated the players um uh, is I, I think it's been exceptional. Um like they're they really they really fight for him and they they fight for us. So as I say there's like, a lot of people that disagree though with you don't know. Well I, I, I well I all I can do Jerry is judge what I see in a football pitch. And I I it was one bad performance since since uh since John Russell took over there's been one bad performance that was against James at home. And I've look at I've been I've I've been to every way ground the season. Uh, I haven't been to every way game, but I've been to every way ground the season. As as you probably would be nearly at everyone, yeah. you know. Uh, and if I've I know what I've seen with my own twice, and uh, I know that the players they've given everything, they've given everything for him, and they've given everything for us. And uh, as I say, if if players are putting that kind of effort and dedication for their manager like it only offers well for for uh, for, for, for next season I, 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 I don't know how anyone could disagree that the players like the, the players have been a good shift uh, for the, the last couple of games of the season well, yeah. no, no, I, I, I'm just kind of I suppose playing devil's advocate there like um, there seems to be a lot of kind of I don't know negativity um, in 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 relation to, you know, the appointment of John Russell in that he was assistant manager under Elaine Buckley and nothing has changed and yada, yada, yada. But one thing, I suppose, stats will always kind of, will kind of stack up and I suppose I'm, these aren't scientific uh, stats that I'm going to say, but like had, if John Russell on the points return of 1.63 per game been in charge from the start of the season, uh, and taking out the or forgetting about the Dundalk uh, administration error, we would actually would have finished on sixty one points. Sorry, sixty points this season. Last season we finished on fifty seven. Fifty seven points got us third place last season. Sixty points would have got us. Still would have got us fifth. So it just shows that the the likes of Shamrock Rovers, Derry City, and St Pat's have kind of gone up another level. Uh, we improved, we would have improved our points tally, but it still wouldn't been good enough. So I suppose that just shows you where the money is in the league and that they're able to to still pull away. Um, but we would have ended up with a greater points return. But John Russell is, hasn't a fucking clue he's at. So I believe anyway. So look, our points return was better. We got through three rounds of Europe. We messed up in the cup big time. But sometimes as a manager, you can't legislate for a bad mistake, which very much said the goalkeeper that day. He dropped the ball in the net. We should have had the, one, the game won by then. But look, that's cup football. 
And looking ahead to next season, lads, Magoo, what would your hopes for next season be? Um, also for next, um, obviously, I think the, the main one is is trying to get back into Europe. Um, I think anything after that would be a bonus, you know, like a cup run or or. But I think like Fort would be start starting off target would probably be Fort for next season and see where anything after that would be a bonus. Um, I think it'll be a lot dependent, obviously, on budgets and who we can bring in, and probably more importantly, who we can keep. Um, I think we all know who we're talking about. If we keep that one man, I'd say nearly you're nearly guaranteed top five before we make any other moves in the market at all. So, um, a big a big off season, I think, for John and and the committee and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. Hope that that'll be the hopes to be trying to get back into Europe and you know relive all them moments we were talking about earlier on, um because that's that's what it's all about. Like we're never going to be the dominant force in 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 the country or anything like that for twenty years. But just moments like that is is what it's all about. So that'd be my hopes. Yeah, to try and get back into Europe and have another few days like that, another few weeks like that. My hopes for next season will be to requalify for Europe and get to the cup final and win it. Simple as that. Um, I know next season is going to be probably a hell of a lot harder and you can see year on year, as I said to you there, about the points return this year compared to last year. It's gone up a level. Um, so it is going to get harder. Um, wage inflation is going to probably dictate that too, but I'd still be confident of... I think that, look, the, the thing that probably held us back this season not qualifying for Europe, and it's a bit of a parody I suppose if I think that's the right right thing to say is that Europe held us back by doing well in Europe it prevented us from qualifying for Europe this year so I think you know because we didn't have a big enough squad but I think this year we can have a right good crack at it I think like as you said we need to shop in a different supermarket uh, we need to shop in the, the German discount market or the Bulgarian market or whatever the case may be to get lads in uh, we're not going to be able to shop at done stores uh, like the rest of the guys um, so we need to be inventive we need a bit of luck but I think honestly I do honestly think that it's the first time in a while where we've had a manager where who knows what he wants to do he has a has a philosophy in terms of how he wants to play and it's just you know you could see that throughout the season and the game the, towards the latter end of the season like we were winning games where they were dead rubber and you know, the players are still motivated. And I think that's it'll bode us good habits and repetitiveness. I think it'll stand a single step for next year. Donald? Yeah, uh, pretty similar to, to Jerry Rowan. Um, uh, good cup run. I'd love to see us in the Viva and hopefully win the cup. Uh, uh, definitely. And I suppose the, the quality for Europe, uh, David Holtz, um, and I just I suppose the big my, my main hope is that just like everybody just gets behind the manager and gets behind the team I always I, it's it's I just I don't understand negativity towards towards their own team just just get behind them because they're, 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 they're out there they're playing for us they're doing their best for us uh, get behind them and the more you give them from the stands from the terraces uh, the more they'll give you the, they'll feed off your energy they'll give to you on the pitch and they've proven that, like, like the, the lads that, that are in that squad this season, they've proven that. They, they want to play, they want to do well for us, so just back them. And uh, I think, I, I think, look, 
I I think we'll have uh, we'll have a higher points tally, uh, and I do think we'll have a World Cup run next season. I, I certainly hope so. Anyway. And before we finish up, I suppose uh, we just want to say thanks to everyone for listening throughout the season. Um, it's been a real pleasure of doing the podcast since, well, myself since July, and it's been a pleasure talking to all three of you lads and Sean and Connor as well throughout the few months, and uh, hopefully we'll be back for the new season in 2023. So, uh Jerry, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ronan. And, and like that too, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Hopefully we didn't bore you too much. Um, I suppose we need to sit down and see whether it's um if it's uh whether we, we go again next year and hopefully we do. And if we do, I think we probably need to, you know, reinvent it probably a little bit um and shake it up a bit, like everything. And you need to kind of keep on the front foot and keep reinventing yourself. So, look, hopefully, as I say to you, thanks for everybody for listening and and uh, keep the faith and, uh, you know, up the roads and we'll be back next season on and off the pitch. And thank you, Donald. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Happy Christmas to you all. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and Magoo seems to have gone missing. But, uh, and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. 